Danny Danko come to show you how it goes. You're now tuned in to Free Weed from Danny Danko on High Times Radio, presented by High Times Magazine. Boom, bang! All right, welcome to episode number 94 of High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. As always, thank you to Winstrong and DJ Jacques for the tune. And welcome to my co-host, Mike G. Hey, everybody. What's going on? Episode 94, Danko. That's right. Here we are. That's right. Just keeps happening. (laughs) (laughs) Weekly, on a weekly basis. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the most uh, consistent that we've been in yeah. the history of the show, which dates back to um, 1991, I think. <laughs> well, I hope people appreciate it, and uh, one great way to show us that you appreciate it is by uh, rating us on iTunes and uh, giving us a, a nice rating there, because that, that helps other people find the podcast. So anything, anything you can do to help us spread the word is rad, and we will keep consistently putting out episodes. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I'm glad that you clarified on a positive review because that's yeah we don't <laughs> want we don't want negative reviews. Yeah, and this episode is very special too. We have a uh, a, a lost uh, interview, actually, a DJ short interview from 2017 that we did at the Michigan Cannabis Cup, which is uh, his home base. So we have excerpts of that as the interview here, which is amazing. He is the legendary breeder who created Blueberry Flow old time moonshine and a bunch of other great strains we've had him on the show before but we got a chance to actually sit down and and chat with him so it's always cool to get a dj in michigan you know like you said it's his home base and uh, he has a a pretty substantial fan base there i mean everywhere but especially there so it's always nice yeah and as we mentioned last week uh hightimesinvestor.com you can actually uh invest in high times which is pretty rad yeah, do you get a cut of that, by the way? It's like uh, a percentage of every penny go into I your bank. No. I don't. I just, uh, I just get the the knowledge of knowing that uh, that you know people support us and, and are happy to see us uh, doing well. Yeah, absolutely. And and like we said last week, we don't want to to beat a dead horse here, but it, it's a pretty cool opportunity. You could actually be an investor. You could uh, own a piece of high times. So um, if you're interested in that or if you just want a little more information about what that looks like, uh, head over to HighTimesInvestor.com. And uh, there's a bunch of information there, informational video for you to watch, and, of course, the opportunity to invest if uh, you so choose. Yeah, there's headshots of me and Mike, too. I don't know if mine is up there. But <laughs> it, I'm is. Gonna, oh, it, it is. It is. Yeah, there. yeah. Right. There's headshots of us, and there's uh, a bunch of different options um, at different levels of commitment that you get uh including even like free tickets to the cup and, and meet and greets and all kinds of uh uh access to backstage behind the scenes information and and fun so dan will like come to your house and, <laughs> and watch your kid if you need to get a little break go to the movies or something there's a lot of different options it's amazing actually uh how many options there are <laughs> yeah and also exciting uh coming up here in july july 13th uh, to the 15th we are going back to amsterdam we have a cannabis cup in amsterdam where it all began in 1988 uh 30 years ago we'll be back uh we have a musical lineup there as well Ty dollar sign walk a flock of flame bone thugs and harmony the original whalers uh which is awesome afro man burner og mako mako uh, and more to be announced. So people, if you want to know more about that, check out CannabisCup.com. Hopefully you can come over there to Amsterdam. Is uh, that uh, going down at the Milkweg? It is. Oh, nice. It's at the Milkweg, uh, Dutch for Milky Way. 
Yeah, it's a great uh, little uh, club, and we've been using them for years and years. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fun little place to see a show. Yeah, awesome place to see a show right there in the Lides of Plain area. Uh, and it'll be interesting to be there in July. We're usually there in November and uh, switched it up. So it'll be a little less rainy, hopefully, and a little more sunny and more... Uh, more light in the evening as well and and a lot of fun and uh you know people like oh you're doing cups in america you're doing cups in canada you're doing cups in jamaica why why should we go to amsterdam well look there is nothing like the amsterdam coffee shop scene there's no uh no place where social use is like that you know what i mean you have your social clubs in spain you have your dispensaries in you know denver and and california and other places obviously washington and oregon but no place where you can actually order weed off a menu and then just sit down roll a roll a joint have a cup of coffee and you know read the paper smoke a joint hang out meet people from other other countries other lands um people from all over the world who are all there to share cannabis. And so there's something about that that's really special and unique, that coffee shop scene. So come on over and celebrate with us. It's July 13th through the 15th in Amsterdam, Netherlands, uh, Holland. (laughs) Uh, That's actually a good point, though, just before we move on. I I actually completely agree. You know, you and I have been fortunate enough to have done all of those things. And, and there really isn't anything like going to a coffee shop, you know, in Amsterdam. It really is an experience that should be on every uh, smoker's bucket list. And yeah. so this is an opportunity to, to go over to a beautiful city and take it all in. So we're not going to do the hard sell here, but if you're interested, you should go to CannabisCup.com and uh, check that out. Yeah, absolutely. I call it Marijuana Fantasy Camp, and, and um, there's lots of great coffee shops to visit, lots of different strains over there. Um, lots also the import hash you can't forget about that the moroccan the lebanese the the um you know eastern asian the you know afghan and uzbeki and all the amazing import hashes with their terroir and their strains and the thousands of years of of tradition so that's something you can get over there that's much harder to find uh here as well it looks um, like poop but it, <laughs> it doesn't smoke like it no, so that's good not at all so and and uh, a lot of the breeders uh, and, and, you know, coffee shop owners and all the people who are over there, uh, people from the, the grow equipment world, it really is, uh, you know, rubbing shoulders and elbows with uh, the the cannabis glitterati, so to speak. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> well, anyway, yes, like we said, CannabisCup.com, you'll get more information about that there. Absolutely. And, yeah. What do you say we we do a little news? Yeah, let's check out the news. There's been some some amazing stuff that's going on lately. Yeah, 100 years ago, um, we used to do a little podcast called the High Times News Hit. And uh, now we're kind of just going to incorporate that right into Free Weed. I think it'll fit nicely. And the first story I want to talk about here uh, just broke last night with the election in Oklahoma. Oklahoma is the 30th medical marijuana state. It passed last night. Or I guess if you're hearing this on Thursday, it passed on Tuesday. Yay. Amazing. Amazing uh, that a state like Oklahoma would pass a law like this. And, and in particular, because this this law is, 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 you know, quite different from some of the more restrictive laws that have passed in, in more conservative places. Uh, and it was opposed by uh, law enforcement and political leaders and, and a lot of different organizations, obviously, down there and yet still passed so that's really exciting Cheers. yeah apparently um, they put a lot of money and a lot of effort into this last minute push to get this bill uh to fail 
and somehow it managed to succeed sort of in spite of the um, powers that be fighting against it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, almost any time you, you allow people to vote on the subject, uh, people wind up voting for marijuana law reform. So uh, even in a place like Oklahoma, which is amazing. And I think the patients of Oklahoma are the ones that are going to benefit the most from this. Uh, and that's that's a great thing to hear because you hear about people moving from places like Oklahoma to Colorado and Washington and Oregon or California because uh, they need medical marijuana for themselves or for their families. And so it's nice to know that people can stay and, and, and stay in the place that they grew up and, and where they want to live and don't have to migrate just to use cannabis for their ailments. Yeah, that part is great. Also, we should just note that uh, there's no qualifying conditions list for Oklahoma. This is all going to be doctor recommendations sort of along the California uh, line. And um, it's a it's statutory. It's not a constitutional amendment. So that's the only downside that because the uh, the governor and a lot of the um, the legislature is against cannabis, there might be some pushback once it gets uh, to the drafting of the actual program. Yeah. But it's a great start. It really is. It's a great, and, and it's congratulations a step, a, a to Oklahoma. Huge, huge step in the right direction. And uh, I believe, depending on how you're keeping score, this is the 30th or the 31st state to pass medical marijuana in one form or shape yeah, or we're, another. We're calling it 30 here for Oklahoma. So, so 30 states. I mean, the vast majority of the United States now has <laughs> some form of medical marijuana. On that, by the way, this is my favorite part of this whole story. This comes from MPP, if I could just read this quote really quickly. Um, Effective medical marijuana laws have been adopted in 30 states. 19 other states have adopted medical marijuana laws that are ineffective because they're either uh, unworkable or exceptionally restrictive. You might notice that that number comes to 49. Well, Idaho is now the only state in the country without any form of medical marijuana law. Wow. Wow. Idaho. Just Idaho. Weird. That's weird. Yeah. Anyway, congratulations, <laughs> Oklahoma. Idaho, get your shit together. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to this next story. This is, um, this is kind of a bummer. You might have noticed this hashtag permit patty oh, going man. around. Oh, <laughs> you heard about this? Permit patty, absolutely. Of course. So this woman um, decided to call the police on an eight-year-old girl who was selling water outside of an apartment building. And obviously it's a disgusting thing to do. And then the, the little girl's mom ended up filming this woman and it kind of went viral. Now, the reason that we're talking about this story to you is because the woman, uh, Allison Etel, I think it's pronounced, just happens to be the founder of Treatwell, which is a, a, a company that makes cannabis treats for dogs. <laughs> uh, yeah, who also has operated without a permit uh, <laughs> in her endeavor. So there's it's quite a bit of irony a here. Ironic. Um, yeah, and clearly she made a very, very, very piss poor decision to confront this girl and her mom and all of this. And and you know it's obviously not a good look and. Um, she's suffering the consequences of that. And, you know, that's the thing is people need to know that you either reap the benefits or suffer the consequences of the decisions you make. Um, and in this day and age with everybody 
having cameras, you know, you are one bad decision away from losing a lot of the things you you appreciate and love. So, you know, yeah, just her, the, her stuff is getting pulled from dispensaries. And uh, I think Magnolia decided to uh, stop carrying it, but they're going to donate whatever they make from the rest of their stock and treat well to uh, to a charity. So, yeah. And I mean, here's the thing. You come from an industry, uh, you know, that ha- that has, you know, clearly suffered the you know from this disparity and and from all kinds of uh, racial uh issues and and all of that so you know if anything uh we need to be more more sensitive and aware of 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 these issues and in our industry and uh so you know this. It's also an industry, by the way, that, you know, people could have called the cops on her numerous times <laughs> over her career. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. So, I, you know, I think, you know, again, she just obviously made a very, very bad decision and is paying for it uh, quite dearly. And, and that's, you know. Do you know her? I don't. I don't. Although I think, you know, Treatwell has been involved in, I mean, they've been at cups and stuff. So um they're you know they're part of the industry people know their those those treats and people have been using those for their pets and you know it's sad for other people who are, are part of that company or, or whatever that may have had nothing to do with um this person's decision but again like i said you 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 know there are consequences to the things you do you're free to do and say whatever you want you can call the cops on people if you mm. if that's what you think uh you need to do in that moment but there are consequences and obviously in this case uh dire consequences for for this woman and for her company so it's a little bit like the the roseanne situation right where you know you're sort of on top of the world and you make this really really bad decision and it all falls apart yeah yeah and And then uh, the question is well like you just said you feel bad for the the company and maybe some people felt bad for the the cast members but um well at least in the roseanne case i guess you kind of know the person that you're working under right Uh, maybe (laughs) you didn't know with this allison person but boy you know now you know and it's kind of this whole epidemic of of you know white people calling the cops on 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 black people doing regular stuff you know i mean the the girl was selling the girl was selling water you know the people were having a barbecue and you know add add to that the fact that any time the police you know and 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 people of color interact there can be tensions and and worse than tensions there can be violence and and there's all kinds of uh background issues to that that uh you know obviously this woman wasn't thinking about when she made this you know very ill-advised decision to you know escalate Mm. her dispute uh over water and over permitting, water. which permitting, is crazy. The yeah. whole thing is crazy. So, and our uh, our friend Elise, who used to be an editor uh, here at High Times, she just happened to have um, a photo credit of something on Allison uh, on what's her name Allison Attell's Instagram page, and for whatever reason, I guess people on Instagram started assuming that Elise was this person, and she started getting just a, a ton of hate. Uh, kind of spewed at her um, right well when the internet grabs a hold of something they grab a hold of it yeah you know but we should just really point out elise uh, mcdonough great person definitely not this permit patty (laughs) person leave her alone yeah Yeah. i mean and here's the thing and it's like very easy to pile on and all of that and obviously this woman deserves uh consequences for her you know bad decision making and poor behavior and she lost her business she's really can't show her face in this industry and and that's the price that she pays but you know death threats and things of that nature i think are taking too much yeah it's a little taking things way too far for yeah for for that but 
you know. But don't call the cops. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, stop snitching, you guys. <laughs> Let's uh, move on to this next story. You know, I wanted to talk about this uh, States Act, which is this bill that would um, that would change uh, cannabis legislation on a federal level. It was introduced by Cory Gardner and Elizabeth Warren. But a lot of that story had to do with its lack of support from not only Republicans, but fellow Democrats like Chuck Schumer as well. But then just before we came into the studio here, I found out that Chuck Schumer is introducing his own federal marijuana legalization bill. So we're going to hold off on this until we learn a little bit more about what that is and the two competing bills and the differences. So put that one on the back burner for a bit. Uh, Schumes. <laughs> yes. Related to Amy Schumer. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. cousins or something. Something like that. Let's move on to this one. I like this. Um, were you aware that Wiz Khalifa is a pretty serious MMA uh, person? He's training to I, mix martial arts, and he might be fighting? I saw him recently on Jesus and Miro, and he looked pretty diesel. He was yeah, like, he looks huge, right? Yeah, he looks huge. Um, so, yeah, he's been fighting. They showed some footage of him there, like like doing some, some, some punches and stuff. He looked pretty formidable. I don't think I would really want to fight the guy. Oh, Lord. No, no absolutely <laughs> not. But the, but the question is, oh, yeah, no. And he, he's taking this very seriously. You could watch the video. He's really working out and he's sparring and all of that. Now, the question is, do you think he's actually going to to fight on some sort of professional level? Wow. I don't um, know. But he did talk about training while high, which was pretty interesting. He definitely incorporates cannabis in his regimen, uh, so to speak. You know, you're... You hear a lot about the these fighters who are saying that, that cannabis helps them with the training and the post-fight recovery and all of that. But wouldn't it be interesting if a side effect of cannabis was it turned you into an MMA fighter? That would that would definitely be interesting. <laughs> anyway, I don't think that's what's happening here. And, and also, Wiz Khalifa is very well aware that this may not be uh, the next step in his career. You know, he realizes that he has to get on stage and, and do his thing so he can't necessarily be all messed up from a fight. But um, like we said, you should check out the video. He definitely looks formidable. <laughs> and Dan is going to fight him for charity. Gee whiz. Gee whiz. <laughs> Gee whiz. Stop beating me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right, let's do one more story. But here, all right. So we're going to try something new for this. People have been telling us for a while that what they like on shows is like conflict. They like it when people argue and have different, you know, opposing viewpoints. And unfortunately for the two of us, we seem to be eye and uh, eye to eye on most of these <laughs> news stories. There's no conflict. It's boring, right? And we never argue, Mike. So let's try something new. Uh, <laughs> we're going to call it, uh, let's argue about the news. Let's argue about the news. Wrong. You let's argue about the news yeah and um all right so you uh have a brand to protect and (laughs) i'm just some guy so for the good of the show and to introduce a little bit of conflict a little bit of drama i'm going to argue the opposing viewpoint so whatever uh whatever view you take on this story i'm going to argue the opposite okay sound good great all right let's see what this story is here Okay, interesting. All right. So uh, this is a story about a gentleman who received 10 pounds of pot in the mail in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And this pot, you know, was uh, vacuum sealed and uh, neatly organized by strain. So this was a a quality care package. But he didn't like it for whatever reason. It was uh, not sent to him purposefully. So he went to the cops, turned this in. Now the cops, the Columbus Police Department 
made a big to-do about this on social media, basically taunting uh, the person who sent this by accident. On Facebook, they posted a photo of, um, of all the pot, and they wrote, uh, we don't want to keep something that isn't ours, so if you have 10 pounds of pot uh, and you want to claim it, just swing by and visit us at CPD. And then on Twitter, they wrote, uh, please help, my name is 10 pounds of weed, I am lost and looking for my owner, and invited the, uh, the person who sent it to come by the police station. So, uh, all right, I'm going to put 60 seconds here on the clock. And uh, let me know what you think about this story. Ready? <laughs> Go. Listen, these corny cops have all the time in the world to waste taunting people who they don't know who may or may not have sent pot in the mail. This is ridiculous. Now, I'm a big fan of dad jokes, but cop jokes are just a step too far. This is ridiculous. Uh, these guys are wasting taxpayer money by posting this stuff spending their time doing this there's people there's violent crime going on there's people uh getting robbed there's people being assaulted uh left and right and all kinds of issues going on um that the police need to be focusing their attention on the pot didn't make it to where it was intended to make it i think that's humiliation enough for whoever it was that uh that's missing their pot and i think taunting them on social media is not the place of law enforcement this is a ridiculous overstepping of their bounds and i don't think it's funny That's 60 seconds right there all right all right all right you made some good points there but uh here's my rebuttal all right so first of all let, let's get a little bit organized here with our mailing you know what i mean if you send something and the cops intercept it then you know to the victor go the spoils right they're gonna have their fun and now look i have to remind you mr danko that this is a war and I'm all for the cops putting this stuff online and taunting people because when we come out victorious, we're going to have a little something to rub in their faces, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, go ahead and have your fun. Ultimately, the other side is going to win, and we're going to have our fun, and we're not going to feel bad about it because we're going to remember what you did when you had the upper hand. And uh, what you reap is what you sow, and it's all going to come back to you eventually. So, you know... Go ahead. Keep posting these things online. Keep taunting the pot people out there. And it's going to come back. Uh, the chickens are going to come home to roost, right? Boo. No. Let's not agree to not disagree because that is ridiculous. And Well, we did it. We argued about the news. Let's argue about the news. Wrong. You I feel a little dirty taking the cops side, but... um. But yeah, we did it. We we. I hope you guys enjoyed that bit of conflict there. I'm just really happy it wasn't the permit patty story. Well, next time you send weed to the wrong place, I'm taunting you. Fair enough. That was the High Times news hit. Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, we have a, a really interesting interview. We're going to talk to DJ Short, and we're going to get into some serious pot growing and breeding information. Hey, you guys, I definitely want to mention our awesome sponsor, BC Northern Lights. These guys have been creating grow boxes for over a decade in uh, the Vancouver, Canada area. Their phone number is 888-236-1266. You can call them seven days a week. Uh, you can check them out at bcnorthernlights.com. They make uh, a bunch of different grow boxes that does all everything for you, the fans, the air filtration, the lighting, the feeding, you know, the, the hydroponics and lockable 
with a key. Uh, these units are all in one wonderful touchscreen technology. They even have units for drying and uh, you know all kinds of different sizes. Uh, they're a sponsor of the show. They have a special deal. Uh, if you use the promo code DANKO-CAN, C-A-N, uh, they will give you free nutrients for six months and all kinds of deals that you can negotiate with them when you check them out and call for a quote on one of these boxes. You're going to grow cannabis for pennies on the dollar once you get the thing going. So check them out, bcnorthernlights.com, 888-236-1266. And thank you to them for their support of the Freeweed Podcast. All right, welcome back, and we are now up to our interview segment, and this one is from 2017. This is with DJ Short in Michigan, and we didn't actually record this for the podcast. This is taken from a video uh, that was shot at the event, so there's no uh, proper introduction, but uh, we are going to play the segments that we have, which begins with common grow room problems and things that can happen. Uh, and so we start off talking about uh, the distance of, of plants from light. So here's DJ Short and myself from Cannabis Cup in Michigan in 2017. Those are the big issues to me. It's like the distance to the light, overwatering, and overfeeding. Yeah, as far as uh, distance to the light, you know, back to these uh, ceramic metal highlights, uh, what I was finding with those is they are very intense. I didn't need to have the quite as close. Matter of fact, I was seeing some burning uh, going on from the lights. Um, so, so the technology is catching up. It's the same with these LEDs. The LEDs are so efficient. I've seen photos of bud rooms where all of the top buds were albino. They were just whited out. They were healthy, perfectly healthy plants, but the plant just did not need to make as much chlorophyll because the light was so intense. So we do have, you know, aspects of technology that need to be taken into consideration. But Danny's three points, I think, are, are very important. Overwatering is is a huge problem that will stunt the plant. Same with over fertilizing, uh, what's called nutrient block or new block, as we call it. I've had to scrap entire R and D projects because I misread a label on a. Uh, fertilizer thing, and once you're burned, well, they, they, you can't bring it back if it's serious. Uh, all the way through bud, even if you clone them and grow them out, uh, they, they just will not uh, uh, perform well uh, after that point. And uh, a point on the, on the clones, too, as opposed to seeds, one thing that's very important in this industry right now that I really want to share with you is the importance of consistency making the same product over and over again. When you dial something in and you get something great, we run across great things all the time, but when you go back to get that same thing and it's not the same, that's a put off. That's a definite put off to the buying market. So figuring that out, how to dial in your product, and clones are, are you know essential to that because you're using the exact same genetic material. And once you do dial it in, just repeat that recipe over and over. If you figure out ways to improve things as you're going along, by all means, experiment. But uh, consistency is very important in, in this industry moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying about those uh, those ceramic metal highlight lighting. There hasn't been a lot of advances 
um, aside from the LEDs, in grow lighting, particularly like really industrial grow lighting. Um, and those, they're actually paying growers in Washington State to convert from 1,000 watt uh, high pressure sodium lights and metal halide lighting to ceramic halides. Um, and they're using, because they're using less energy, they're more efficient, and they're still growing, you know, they're still providing a lot of light. So, um, and that's another thing about the distance between the, the, the plants and the lights. When you see these big, you know, warehouse grows, of course their lights are gonna be higher because they're, they're putting the, you know, banks of 35 lights in a row, and they're, all of those lights are blending together. And so they're, they're talking about a much, you know, bigger spread of, of light so they can have them up higher. If you just have one light in a tent, it needs to be a little lower um, to, to be at the right intensity level for you know, good flower formation. So um, veg stage is also a good time for foliar feeding, um, which is something I like. Uh, I think is, is, you know, it's just misting the plants with, a, with plain water or with a very mild nutrient solution. I like uh, aerated compost tea. For this, you just oxygenate a uh, bucket of compost tea um, overnight for like 24 hours, and you can spray that on the tops and bottoms of the leaves. Um, it's really like helps inoculate the plant from disease and from pests, and um, provides a very mild dose of nutrients, but it also rinses off, you know, dust particles, releases the stomata of the leaves in a way. Um, it's just it's a good thing to do during the vegging stage. You don't really want to do it once you're forming flowers because that moisture at that point can turn to mold because uh, it can get stuck and caught up inside the, the uh, forming flower. Um, so th that transition from vegetative to flowering happens naturally outside um, in the fall. But indoors, like I said, you, you control that. But you control it by having a timer that you plug in. Don't cheap out on a timer. Don't buy a, a cheap you know timer. Get, get a nice serious like well, you know, how, how expensive can the most expensive you know timer be under 100 bucks um, but don't get the cheap five dollar version um, because basically you know any interruption of the dark cycle during the flowering stage will cause you a lot of problems and issues it's a stress to the plant it can cause the plants to hermaphrodite and freak out and do all kinds of weird stuff um, so that's considered like light leaks um, they can really mess up your, your flowering cycle. So you wanna make sure that your timer is legit and that it's now set for, traditionally what we say is the 12-12, the alternative version up to the 12-12 um, that DJ can discuss um, is gonna be the 13-11 um, with 13 being off and 11 being on. Uh, I'll just mention two advantages there. Less electricity, of course, is one, and um, I guess less electricity. <laughs> that's, that's what I can think of. Um, let's see. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. This that information came to me from old timers back in the '80s. Uh, matter of fact, the guy's name was Sonny Becker. He's no longer with us. Uh, he passed away from cancer. Uh, it's who I bought my first light from. It was called AgriLight in uh, Junction City, Oregon. Um, they used to wrap their own ballasts. I mean, they were really, really into this. And he just sat down and said, look, you know, you gotta make your night a little bit longer so the plant knows. Uh, and he pointed out to me that the physiology of a plant basically is they take in nutrient during the day. And a plant's main source of food 
is light. Okay, all of the stuff we're giving it is like a supplement, the nitrogen and the phosphorus and the potassium, to help it metabolize the, the, the sugars that it's making with that chlorophyll. Um, so they take in nutrient during the day and they put that into fiber at night. And if you've noticed, the stretch usually happens at night. Uh, you'll, you'll get that nice uh, little little bend going. So, um, yeah, that, that's uh, uh, part of part of the reason on that. Um, and you know, we've gone now from from the vegetative stage. During that stage, you need m more of a nitrogen sort of based nutrient if, if you're adding nutrient at that point. Um, and as you transition into the flowering stage, change the light cycle, 12-12, uh, 13-11, whatever it is, the plant begins to, it, it, it's, it's gonna continue to stretch for a little while. Uh, you won't see flowers forming for a week, sometimes longer, um, especially with sativa dominant strains. Um, but the plant will slowly basically begin transitioning into the flowering stage. It, it stops growing, you know, new, you know, shoots and branches and, and everything, and it starts to form flowers, starting at the end of the branch and working its way down, sort of uh, filling out the branch uh, with clusters of flowers, um, which start as little white puff balls, and then sort of you'll see them, you know, in all the little nooks and crannies, the nodes where the leave, leaves and the branches meet the stems that's where you'll see those flowers start forming. And that's when you'll want to add a, a more phosphorus, potassium heavy uh, nutrient. That's also the time to add you know, calcium and magnesium if, if um, you're detecting any sort of CalMag issues. Um, the boosters that they have out there, uh, you know, there's all different varying degrees of effectiveness of things that you can add. I like obviously organic uh, things like back guano, seabird guano, uh, green sand, you know, the compost teas always. I mean, you can basically water with that almost all the time. It's very mild, um, but it's not going to really do any harm or damage um, throughout every stage of growth. It's, it's a good good option. Um, yeah, so why don't you tell, uh, talk a little bit about that the flowering stage and what people do, can do during the, that flowering stage. Sure, always less is more. The, the less you can do, the better. My uh, philosophy is I like to fortify my soil. I like to get a lot of uh, uh, worm castings in there. Uh, some back guano. Back guano, you gotta be careful because it breaks down very slowly. I did find a product I've been using this uh, last run. I finally got my fingers back in the dirt. Are you familiar with Mammoth Pea? No. Yeah, it's, it's uh, my, my son turned me on to it. It's sort of a hormonal, it, it's kind of like what SuperDrive was, but it is organic, it is OMRI organic. Um, and what it does is it just really stacks things up, it tightens up that stretch uh, quite a bit and just fattens up the flowers a lot. So I've been happy with that product. It's very expensive, I think it's like, uh, what, $900 a gallon. Uh, little pints are 70 bucks, but you're not using much. You're using like 10 milliliters uh, in, in a watering. Uh, and it, it worked for me. I just had first-hand experience with it, so that did look uh, really nice. The other thing is, while you're going through uh, your flowering cycle, at what point do you cut off your nutrients altogether? Again, the earlier the better. The earlier you're going to you know, sacrifice a little bit of production. But I look at it this way. 
If I'm going to decrease my production by 10%, but I'm increasing my uh, quality by 15%, that's a, that's a goal. You know, I'll, I'll go for that. We only have to hope, you know, as, as things work themselves out in, in the marketplace, that the you know the uh, price point will show that. Now, I did mention this whole $500 a pound thing. Uh, there is still plenty of room for whatever. I mean, it's like wine. You know, we have wine to come in $1,000 bottle bottles. We're going to see the same thing in the cannabis industry. But it has to be something that is unique, that holds its own, and is consistent. All right? You've got to keep making that and, and, and going back to it. Uh, so the end of the flowering cycling is what's referred to as the flush. And I like a long, I like I, four weeks. I just flush them right away. Like I said, I'm, I'm sacrificing a little bit of my fiber production, uh, but hopefully I am increasing the quality. For us, again, it's these subtle little uh, characteristics that bring out the quality um, in this product. Um, it's really what we're looking for. All right, so basically that flowering period, let's let's say on average we've got about eight weeks of flowering time. I mean, of course, different plants have different flowering times, but eight weeks is about average. Um, that first two weeks, you don't really want to go nuts with the you know, flowering fertilizer because you're not actually forming flowers. Um, you're transitioning into the flowering stage. Week two to you know week six or so is kind of like your your big go-to stage where you can like you know the, the plant is starting to flower, it's starting to put on you know bulk up, and you, that's when you can give it more of those nutrients. Then you know week six to week eight, um, in my opinion, you know two weeks is good. You, you can't, I mean, you could overdo it, but you know DJ's talking about a month of flush, so then you you, know, you would do that at you know, week four or five instead of week, uh, you know, six or seven, you'd start that flush. But you gotta do that, um, and when you grow from clone and you can dial it in, you really know when to start the flush. A lot of times the harvest will creep up on you, um, and it'll happen too quick. Oh man, I'm still feeding the plant, and it's, it's a day or two from harvest. Um, but you gotta determine when to harvest. Uh, a, a, a lot of people harvest way too early, that's pretty much a, a major thing. People take the plant too soon. Uh, some people wait too long. Uh, it's more rare, but it happens. So uh, in the old days, you'd hear all kinds of you know two stories. Well, you got to do it when the hairs are red, or when the you know the plant starts doing this or that. Um, but it's really like DJ said. It's about the the trichome. It's about the essential oil that's contained within that glandular trichome, which is the stalk and the head. Um, you know, where the essential oil is produced. Uh, so, uh, what what is your opinion on the, the, the best time to harvest? I mean, first I would say you need a, some kind of a form of magnification to really get in there and look at the actual trichome head. Um, they are clearer, then they turn cloudy, and then they just eventually start to go amber. Um, and people have different opinions, I guess, on when to harvest, but what's yours? Sure, I, I like the ball. Really, I mean, um, and the rule of thumb, the basic rule of thumb is earlier harvest is a bit headier, later harvest is more body. All right, when those uh, uh, gland heads are very clear, it tends to be a bit more bright, uplifting 
Uh, there are exceptions to that rule, so bear that in mind. Uh, but as they mature more, it tends to go more into the body. I like a nice, even uh, body head mix. I just li I like things that, that brighten my day. So basically what you're doing is, with each strain, my suggestion would be snip a little early, dry it, snip a little in the middle, dry it, snip a little, in, you know, take it along, leave a few buds on the bottom of it, and decide for yourself which, which one you prefer. Um, again, in terms of economics, you know, it's always best more money to get it out there as, as soon as possible. So I think that's a lot of the uh, rationale behind uh, early harvest is, is it's just quicker. It's, it's, it's in and out quicker, but it's especially with a sorting sativa to let those things go. My Vanna Luna, uh, she taught me a lot uh, in that she would change. She was about week nine, right around the ninth week. She looked like all the other plants up to that point in time, but then she would just, in this week's period of time, the leaf edges would sort of either curl up or curl under, and they would just get coated in resin, um, and it would change color. It would just go into these wonderful uh, hues, uh, lavenders and reds and, and, and blues and things. But uh, she, she definitely let me know in that last week that, hey, yeah, this is when I want to go. Uh, so she had a real obvious telltale sign, but each and every one, it's, it's really kind of your preference or what your market, what market you're, you're, you're trying to satisfy. So my, my suggestion is to experiment. Get, them, get all three from, from every strain you're working with and, and dial that in yourself. Right about in the middle, I think, is, is probably the happiest comedian. Problem when you let them go too long is the plant will just start putting out fiber. A lot of the THC is breaking down the CBD and the CBN, and it's just not as desirable. So it, it, is, a, it is a question of timing, and it, it, it does vary from strain to strain. Yeah, I also found that concentrate makers like to uh, take them down a little early. They get a, a clearer product. They get uh, a lighter color on the product, um, so I've noticed that. Um, the other thing is uh, Soma, the breeder, uh, he always says, if you think it's ready, wait a week. Uh, and I think that's pretty good too, because uh, like I said, more people take it down too early than take it down too late. Um, and as DJ said, it's good to kind of get an idea of what they, all the different, you know, so take, take some at eight weeks, take some at nine, take some at 11. Uh, dry and cure each of them and, and, and see what the differences are. Um, so that does bring us to, to harvesting and drying and curing. Uh, the first question here, again, you have two routes you can take. You can uh, hang the plant and, and trim dry, or you can trim the leaf off and then hang the plant. And um, basically, it's like a wet trim or a dry trim. Uh, what do you recommend? Uh, what I do is uh, I kind of lollipop the plants while they're growing. You take off those lower shade leaves from the bottom up. Um, and one side note here, a nice byproduct from our plants are these shade leaves, and people are juicing them, just like wheatgrass juice. Um, it's an incredible product. It's, it's very healing and, and not many people, I think, have uh, really uh, lo looked into that. So, I'll be taking those leaves as they're starting to go from the bottom on up. Um, and that what we call lollipopping, where you're, where you're pretty much uh, uh, manicuring on the live plant. Uh, and then by the time she comes down, there's, there's not that much, that much left to do. 
One advantage I like about um, the shade leaves being on there during the cure, especially while the plant is hanging, they tend to protect the buds. They'll sort of wrap around the bud. They have sort of the same uh, cannabinoid terpene profile, although much less than the buds. So I kind of like having them in there. Um, again, for doing extract, this is a moot point. When we're doing extract, it's just going to go, you know, right off the plant, right into the extractor, especially for things like uh, live resin. Um, so it's something to take into consideration. Yeah. Um, so whether you've done the wet uh, trim or the dry trim, and it should be noted, if you do, if you let the plant hang with the leaves on it, it's going to dry slower. Um, so you just have to take that into consideration. If you trim those leaves off first, it's going to dry a bit quicker. Um, but when it gets to the point, if you want to hang dry it, I don't like laying it out on trays or any of that, making like flat spots on the bud. Just hang it to dry from hooks or however you know you can hang it. Um, uh, you know, so you want the air to circulate, but you don't want fans blowing directly on those buds as they dry because it'll dry too quick. Uh, but you do want air to circulate. You're pulling a lot of water out of those plants. Um, and when it gets to the point, hopefully after you know seven days, five to seven, maybe eight days, where you can, you know, the branches will snap instead of bending. Uh, I think at that point you're ready to start the curing process, which is different from the drying process. This is a slower dry that happens inside of a glass jar, and you're at that point you're just sweating the last of the moisture out of those buds. Uh, what happens is, you know, you trim them off those off the branches, and you think they're bone dry because, you know, like I said, it's 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 cracking, you know, the, the stem, and the outside of the bud feels dry. So when you trim those off and you put those in the, in a glass jar, a sealed jar, you can go back to that in an hour, and the bud will feel moist, even wet, and that's that inner moisture from the middle of the bud that's now sweated out. Um, because you know the moisture inside that jar has to even its, itself out. So moisture from the inside of the bud is sweated out until the whole bud seems moist again. You open the jar, you let the moist air out, you seal the jar back up, and the same for that slower sweating process is how you get out that green chlorophyll kind of taste and, and, and everything, and that's that last of the water that you want to remove. Slower um, the better. Yeah, do you have any curing tips for people that um, just keeping an eye on it, uh, really checking it early on uh, a lot. Sometimes all you have to do is take the top off the jar. If they're in the jar and they're fine, they're, they're good to go and, and let that go as long as possible. One quick just a backup on uh, harvest time, a little trick uh, I've been using is three days of darkness before the chop. So if you have the whole room is all at the same time, you just let the whole room go dark. If you're doing you know, a few plants in and out at a time, take them out, put them in a closet or something, leave them in the dirt for three days because they're still producing that resin and the resin is not getting broke down by the light, which is the biggest uh, component to break down. Uh, but back to uh, harvesting, um, or, or curing rather, yeah, it's, it's getting into that point in the jar where you get the uh, snap on the stem in the middle of the bud instead of it just bending. Generally at that point you're good to seal up the jar but you still want to check them uh, on a regular basis. Once you're about a month into it, you're, you're pretty much to the point where you can just seal that jar up and leave it for extended periods of time. 
This is something I think that is genetic in the plant is this shelf life uh, concept. Uh, heavy hearing, heavier hitting indicas generally tend to uh, succumb much quicker, six months a year, whereas a soaring sativa will take a nice several year cure and bring out characteristics in that plant qualities that aren't there otherwise. All right, so, uh, and that's the important thing there. You've cured in a jar. You want to store the store in a jar as well. No Tupperware, no plastic baggies, nothing like that. No paper bags. Glass jars sealed in a cool, dark place. No fridge, no freezer. Just a cupboard that stays cool and dark. Um, we're running, we're out of time. Uh, I want to thank my guest, DJ Short, and thank you guys. Thank, thank you, DJ Short, and thank you guys. All right, so uh, now is the growth segment. Yeah, and, and thanks to uh, DJ Short, that was really cool. He got to just do a one-on-one -on -one, uh, seminar. Yeah. He was in Michigan in 2017. Absolutely, a very knowledgeable, uh, wise man. <laughs> <laughs> and a good guy overall, yeah. but um, we're going to get into our cultivation. This is not uh, the Fortnite, so we don't have a strain, but nope. we do have a grow topic. Yes, indeed. And we touched on this uh, briefly with DJ, but I wanted to go do a deeper dive on uh, the whole trimming process. This is an important part of harvesting, and I've come around uh, over the years to a, d a new way of thinking on this because for a long time uh, we did the wet trim uh, and the dry trim was considered to be too much work and extra. Uh, but now I've come around to the idea that a dry trim is the way to go. And the reason for that is uh, numerous reasons. But one is that you want, the, you want to slow the drying process as much as you can. And inherently, when you trim uh, all the leaf off, you're, you're creating a ton of wounds there. Um, and any time that you clip any, any plant, uh, you notice the moisture and water that collects at that cut end. Um, and you're doing that m multiple, many, many times around a bud. Uh, and you're creating all these cut ends that are releasing moisture a little too quickly for my taste these days. So uh, my advice is harvest plants whole. Um, you know, if you can, cut them at their base if they're not like these huge, massive outdoor 10 pound plants that you have to break down um if they're indoor plants and they're a quarter pound you know quarter pounders or so you can cut those at the base and hang them to dry um you can remove the fan leaves if you'd like uh that's probably wise to begin with it's just some of the bigger fan leaves but leave the rest of that leaf on there and um, what happens is it'll dry out and then you can trim that leaf off at the same time after the 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 branches themselves and the, the plant itself has dried for you know seven to ten days or so hanging um, it'll feel bone dry on the outside and then that's the time when you are uh, clipping those buds individually off of those branches and, and and off of that plant and putting that into jars for the for the curing process and at that same time is when you can trim off some of those dry uh, leaves that are that aren't covered in trichomes and aren't really protecting the bud, um, and those you know that's why why that's called a dry trim. You're waiting until the plant has dried out to do the trimming, rather than trimming wet and letting the plant dry and then clipping the buds off. And uh, what happens is the 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 bud dries slower. 
And those leaves, um, some of them tend to sort of curl in and sort of protect that bud, which is great. And if it's for your head stash, who cares if it's a little leafy? I mean, before you smoke it, you take some of that leaf off. You can you can uh, keep that for hash making or, or edibles. Um, but it's there to protect that flower and to protect those precious essential oil glands, the trichome glands that are there. So, uh, again, you know, who cares if it looks a little leafy if the end goal is to just have a nice protected bud um, and you can take that leaf off prior to grinding that bud up and smoking. Um, now, all of this, you know, obviously, if you're making concentrates, you don't have to worry about this because you don't really need to do the whole drying and curing process. But if you're a flower person uh, and you want, you know, high quality connoisseur style flowers that are properly dried and cured, I say go with that dry trim uh, rather than the wet trim. Um, and it's taken me a long time to kind of come around to this. Uh, obviously, you know, it's easier to do the trim wet. The leaves are sticking out. They're much easier to trim off. Um, they're turgid. You know, they have that water strength in them. So, um, but again, you want a slower drying process uh, to get that chlorophyll and that green, um, harsh kind of taste out. Um, so dry trim, then uh, put those buds into jars, let them sweat and cure. And then you can even do a third trim when you uh, take the buds out and get ready to grind them so that you're really just grinding flowers. But those uh, extra sugary leaves will protect that bud and uh, and keep it nice and fresh. So, uh, again, dry trim, better than a wet trim for connoisseur quality buds. Interesting. And do you remember what turned you around on that topic? Yeah, I mean, just a ton of, of trial and error and a ton of, of smoking. I mean, just, uh, you know, judging cannabis cups after a while, you really start getting very nitpicky about the burnability of a product and, and how it looks and all of that. And I just found that, uh, you know, anytime a product it takes a little extra time to dry, it ends up being a higher quality smoke. All right, sounds good. So dry over wet. Uh, what do you say we move on to the, uh, the part of the show where you answer listeners' questions uh, about growing pot? Let's do it. Okay. If you have a question that you would like to uh, have answered on this show, you could reach us uh, freeweed at hightimes.com is our email address. You could also get us uh, on Twitter. He is at Danny Danko. I am, what am I, at Mike G underscore HT. And uh, you could also call us, of course, 212-387-0500, extension 706. Let's do our first question. This is from VC who writes, I'm an Aussie who lives in the outback. And uh, I don't fit into the heavy drinking lifestyle that's been adopted by my peers. My question is this. I live in a country where even medicinal is illegal. I have, uh, I've read plenty into stealth growing using space buckets and using activated carbon filters to keep my grow spot from stinking like a grow house. But what no one can tell me is how to stealth dry your weed. So how do people keep their neighbors from smelling their weed drying when it's hanging? I have no concerns about someone walking into the space, but I am worried about the smell. Okay, well, uh, the key to controlling smell is containment. You have to dry in a contained space that's uh, airtight, and any air that's leaving that space has to go through a charcoal filter. Um, so you need a fan uh, that's sucking air out of that space and a fan that's pulling air out of that space through charcoal filtration and then out through ducting. 
and then that way uh, the odors of those plants drying won't escape. Um, as I mentioned earlier, you don't want uh, air blowing directly onto those drying buds or anything like that, but the air that's any air that's leaving that drying space must go through charcoal filtration in order to take the odor out of that. Um, and if you have negative pressure, meaning there's more air being sucked out, then you won't have odor permeating outwardly from the room, like if in case there was cracks under the door or something like that. Um, odor can escape under those cracks if you're not sucking air out of the room, but if you are sucking air out of the room, then air is coming in through those cracks and it's the odor doesn't have a chance to to go out through those cracks. So if you have that negative pressure, you're sucking air out of the room through charcoal filtration, uh, you shouldn't have odor permeating out from that space. You want to make sure that the activated charcoal is fresh so that it can absorb the odor, and you want to make sure it's packed tightly, uh, and you want to make sure there's not a lot of dust or contaminant within that uh, filtration system because that'll really slow slow the air process down and then the odors can permeate if if not enough air is being pulled out so uh, keep that in mind and then again you know don't don't cure in paper bags or, or plastic tubs cure in sealed glass jars and that'll contain that smell as well um, what you should know is that that smell as it's permeating is you know terpenes leaving your flowers so you also want to keep the temperatures down. Uh, so if the temperature is 80 or higher in your drying area, you're losing smell to the air and to your neighbors. And if the temperature is 60, 65 degrees in your drying area, you're much less likely to have as much odor permeating outwardly from that space. So a nice cold drying space and cold curing area cool dark place uh don't let light permeate don't let uh hot air permeate and uh that will keep the odor contained all right thanks uh, vc for writing in and uh hello to all of our australian listeners we appreciate you guys tuning in uh let's move on to br who writes i've been experiencing damping off on a bag of tester seeds uh, i've tried five or six different attempts at this at first i thought it was too much humidity and then I tried a little bit of hydrogen peroxide. That didn't work, so I attempted to give it more airflow to no avail. Am I cornered into using fungicide? And if so, which would you recommend and why? Uh, wow, yeah. Damping off, uh, as it sounds, is caused by dampness, uh, typically, or some type of pathogen uh, in the air can cause that as well, uh, mold spores and things like that. So... Uh, definitely, you know, changing the humidity level from anything that's too high, which would be like 60 or higher. Uh, if you can bring that down in, you know, to 50, let's say 40 to 50 is a lot better than 60 to 70. Um, that's very helpful. Airflow is important as well. Um, it could be genetic. I mean, you could have just a pathogen that's inherent in the strains that you're growing that causes damping off. Uh, but like I said, I think if you reduce the humidity level, uh, you'll be a lot better off. And I think, uh, you know, uh, like I said, a lot of that is caused by pathogens. Some of that could be airborne pathogens and some of that could be systemic uh, within the actual, uh, you know, cells of your plant. So if, if all else fails and lowering humidity doesn't work, 
and airflow doesn't work, then you may want to switch up your genetics and see if that may help you as well. All right. Awesome. Thank you, BR. We hope that helps. Uh, let's move on to Kurt. Uh, Kurt is up in Massachusetts, and he's writing about his outdoor crop, where he's growing a six to seven foot plants. So the question is, um, I know what I'm looking for in trichomes. I use a microscope hooked up to my iPad, and I know exactly what to look for. I've always just looked at all the tops and started flush based off those trikes, even though some of the lower buds were not completely ready. Can I start my 14-day flush, then cut down all the tops, and then let the remaining bud sites go another week or so? Or just start the flush later to let all the buds catch up? Obviously, I do not want the colas to degrade and go too long. Yeah, I think uh, I think you got the right idea. And basically, you're just talking about a staggered harvest. So uh, you start your flushing process as you normally would uh, about two weeks or so before you plan to take th- those tops down. And then you take the tops, uh, the large colas that are uh, are finished and matured. Uh, you take those and start the drying process with those. And then a week or so later, you can take the other branches as well that have had a little bit of a longer flush, but also a little more time to mature. Um, and that way, uh, especially if you're trimming on by yourself, you can you can spread that, uh, that work out a little bit. And you can also... Uh, you know, dry everything when it's actually appropriate and when it's ripened entirely. So take those main larger colas down, then wait a week or so and take the rest of the plant down. And if you're drying those in the same place, it's quite interesting too, because you can use some of the moisture from that second harvest to, you know, sort of prolong the, the drying of the first and they sort of even each other out a little bit in the drying space. Um, so, it's interesting, you know, you have a lot more moisture coming out of those freshly harvested plants than you do with the ones that have already been harvested for a week. And depending on how, you know, what your your humidity and temperature levels are in your drying space, you can use that to your advantage as well. Uh, so, yeah, uh, perpetual kind of harvest. You take the, the maturest part of the plants down and you can wait and take the rest down as, you know, a week or two later as as those you know, lower branches mature. All right. Very good. Thank you, Kurt. And uh, we have time for one more. So let's go to AC. Uh, He had a question last week, but there were several. So let's, uh, let's get another one of his here. Are sea vaults as effective for curing as mason jars? Can they be used for drying too? Okay. uh, Sea vaults I've seen, these are like uh, kind of metal storage containers. I think they're more effective for storage than for curing. I don't really like metal uh, for curing. As much as I like uh, opaque glass jars that are sealed, I think uh, something about the glass just doesn't impart any kind of uh, flavor or, or odor or anything to the flowers, whereas you know paper, metal, plastic all kind of have their own um, kind of, I don't know, smell or taste or something that they impart. So I wouldn't use CV uh, vaults, uh, sea vaults for curing. I would use glass jars, but... They're nice for storage, and sometimes you can uh, you can use those in conjunction with uh, different products that have like mo- contain moisture that evens moisture out and keeps bud at its perfectly cured level. Uh, but you know, uh, I think and I think even sea vaults may come with that kind of product. Uh, but you know, there's nothing wrong with the nice regular sealable mason jar in a, co- in a cool dark place. 
I think really that's ultimately the uh, the best way to cure and store your your cannabis. All right. Thank you, AC. Thanks to everybody who wrote us. Uh, if you have a question that you'd like Dan to answer on this show, get us at freeweed at hightimes.com. And also we check Twitter. He's at Danny Danko. I'm at Mike G underscore HT. Uh, what do you say we take a little break, then come back and wrap it up? Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you guys for participating and listening to episode number 94 of High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. Thank you to Jacques and Winstrong. Thank you to DJ Short. And thank you to Mike G. You guys, check us out on iTunes. Make sure to rate us. Make sure to comment uh, and tell your friends to tell their friends. And check us out on all the different, you know, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. We're on YouTube. We're on, I think we're on Spotify, Google Play. Pretty we much any, yeah, yeah, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. I think we're there. If not, let us know and we'll try to be there. Um, check us out, obviously, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And, and also invest in High Times, HighTimesInvestor.com. Right. And also, also, you could argue with us about the news if you want to give us a call. It's 212-387-0500, extension 706. All right. Episode number 94. Put it in the books. The news. No, I went loose. Are you okay? Yeah, no, we did it. We did it. Let's try it again. Hey, special thanks to art director Frank Max for that argue about the news hit.